This is episode 52 with Jess Glazer. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today, I sit down with Jess Glazer, former national-level gymnast, now business coach. Jess has successfully turned her cute little side hustle into a seven-figure business and now teaches other coaches how to do the same. We discuss how her life as a gymnast set her up for all that she's faced since that chapter has ended for her. She shares strategies she learned from physical training that she takes with her in her business and how you too can do the same. Before we hop into our conversation with Jess, I want to talk to you all about another part of our life that impacts our ability to perform in sports and business and in life, and that's our sleep. We all know that getting a good night's sleep is vital for how we go about the next day, but how can we make sure we are truly prioritizing it. The Chili Pad from the folks over at Chili Technology makes a good night's sleep that much easier. The Chili Pad is a mattress pad and thermal regulating control unit that allows you to conveniently adjust your bed's temperature. I've been using one for the past three months here and it's been a total game changer. No more waking up sweating in the middle of the summer nights. Check out how one of their products could be beneficial to you at chilitechnology.com. That's C-H-I-L-I technology. Com and use Camp 25 for 25% off your chili pad. Now, let's get our stretch on with Jess. Well, Jess, um, thank you for joining me. I'm super excited to have you on, especially given um, just our budding relationship here in the past month. I've gotten to know you very, very well and had a chance to learn from you. So I'm very appreciative of that. I am now excited to be able to share your story with my audience. So welcome. How are you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Corey, thank you so much for having me. I'm great. I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> yeah. to be working with you. I'm excited to be on here. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy woman these days. Um, give us a little bit of a background about your life, how you got involved in gymnastics, why gymnastics of all sports? How'd you settle yeah. on that one? Yeah, I don't think I picked it. Actually, I think my parents probably would say the opposite, but growing up, I just was an active kid. I was always like climbing climbing things and hanging upside down and flipping on the couch like many little gymnasts do. And um, I think I was about four when my parents decided to take me into a gymnastics gym and just kind of show it to me and see if I was interested in it. And I guess my eyes sort of just like lit up like Christmas lights and I was really excited. So my mom enrolled me into a program, but I don't believe I got enrolled until I was about like five or six. I was a little bit older for gymnasts. And within the first year I was offered a spot on their pre-team and then the year after that, by the age of seven, I was on the team and I was training 20 to 30 hours a week and competing all around the country. And that was the start of my gymnastics career. Yeah. Isn't it funny how just quickly that ramps up? <laughs> it's crazy you. when you think about it. I mean, yeah, my childhood, I, I don't regret anything, but wow, like that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, gymnastics is definitely one of those sports it can be very demanding. Yeah. Um, especially as you get, as you grow up in it and you get to those larger competitions and all eyes are kind of on you in that arena and your performance, how'd you learn to handle those nerves and kind of show up for those moments and be who you were? Mm. So at a young age, I was introduced to visualization and I was introduced to kind of, I guess, manifesting a little bit. And 
between my coaches and also my parents, they would have us do exercises, laying down with our eyes closed, just walking through our routines and seeing ourselves be successful and, you know, stick the landing and, and have like a great routine. And so that started probably around age seven or eight. And by the time I was 12 or 13, it was just second nature. That's just what I did. I mean, I would fall asleep every night running through routines in my head. So nerves never really got to me because a couple different things. I mean, I loved, I loved being the center of attention. I loved showcasing what I had worked really, really, really hard on. And I felt as though between the physical training and then the mindset training, I just felt always prepared. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you bought into visualization at such an early age. I joke with the people that I work with now that like, I always treated visualization up until college as like a structured nap time uh, at the end of practice. I was like, That's so oh. funny. coach is giving us a chance to lay down on some mats and like close our eyes. That's so funny. That's 10 minutes right there. <laughs> yeah. And I had the opposite effect. I would lay in bed wide awake. I mean, mm. wide awake the night before a competition. I never would sleep the night before competition. I would just be running the routine over and over and over. Yeah. I'm curious, the way you ran it through your head, would you visualize only like the perfect routine or would you also kind of weigh, okay, if this goes wrong or not according yeah. to plan, I do this instead. How'd you picture it? So I would picture both. And now as an adult, 36 years, you know, looking back hindsight, I can't say that I wish or that I would have done something differently. I was a child and I went through everything that I did for a reason. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, man, I should have only been visualizing the successful routines, but I definitely would fall into the trap of falling off the beam in my visual visualization or like if I ripped off bars or didn't stick a landing, like what would I then do? I think that has equal importance though to understand like kind of the backup plan or like mm -hmm. how are you going to get yourself out of a challenging situation? But also knowing now what I know about neuro-linguistic programming and rewiring your brain, which is stuff I totally nerd out on, more of the positive results would have been better. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, there's dual sided to that. I always like to have people f at least visualize like plan B. Um, and like from a swimming perspective, diving in and not being right ahead right away, because if the only thing you visualize is leading is leading the race from start to finish, when you dive in and you are behind someone, everything goes out the window and you start to freak out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a tough balance though, because you don't want to visualize failing and sure. let those thoughts creep into your mind, but you still want to be able to navigate whatever yeah, path shows itself in competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Go ahead. Preparing for like coping, right? Like coping skills, because mm -hmm. you don't always win. And I, I think that's something as a teacher, I've, I was a teacher for eight years in elementary school and I found that the more recent generations, they're not really learning coping skills the way that I felt maybe we did or generations before me. And so learning how to lose is really important and learning how to be a good team player and learning how to have gratitude and appreciation and true embodiment of celebration for other people. And so to your point, I think it's important to also just reflect on that where, yeah, it's not, you're not always going to be first and then how are you going to handle it? Yeah. Coping skills are hard to come by <laughs> these days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've coached up until very recently for the past about 10 years, I was coaching swimming and it's, 
it's really tough drilling that into uh, younger kids' heads of like, okay, you can't win every time. There's only one winner. Yeah. (laughs) But we also can't blame them. They're living in a world of instant gratification, which I think as a gymnast, one of the best lessons I ever learned was delayed gratification. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest tools that I've taken with me that it's not the, the fault of the children now, but they're living in a world of instant gratification, whether it's, you know, the iPhone or having the internet right there or Netflix or things are on demand. And we didn't have that growing up. And so between the time that I grew up and gymnastics, I think I had a beautiful opportunity to learn delayed gratification, which is a huge skill set. I love that. I had a, um, another guest, Dan Churchill, on a few weeks ago, and we talked about yeah. there's no Amazon Prime for the results that we're looking for in life. Yeah. or in sports and stuff you just can't get it in two days or amazon now whatever you want to call it it doesn't happen yeah. like that. so yeah it doesn't it's uh it's a tough thing to learn um you've spoken very openly on your channels and getting to know you about fighting against an eating disorder for really 10 plus years can you touch on how you first discovered really what you were up against and facing and yeah. when did that kind of happen for you Yeah, it started, it's hard for me to tell. I think it was somewhere around eighth grade is where I would really pick. I don't know if it was like end of seventh or or eighth, but eighth grade, I started um, experimenting, I guess you can say, with bulimia and playing around with different pills, diet pills, laxatives, fat burners. Um, And it spiraled very much out of control over the course of about 10 years. And so I was cognizant the very first time that I had forced myself to to purge. you know, I was a teenager. I was very aware of what I was doing and I knew that it wasn't right. And I knew that there probably was a better way, but it was, it was what I was being exposed to. And it was what I felt that I had to do, or I kind of felt backed into a corner. So I was always aware of it. Um, and it didn't really feel like a quote unquote real problem until I was just so deep into it and it was taking over my life, my social life, my, my health. Um, it consumed all of my thoughts. I mean, I just would think about food all day. When was my next binge? You know, when was my next purge? Was I going to get caught? I had toothbrushes in all my purses. I was waitressing in college and I would purge in between serving tables. I mean, it was just absolutely taking over my life. And I got to a point where I was just so exhausted. I couldn't do it anymore. So it wasn't necessarily wanting help, but more, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I had two interventions in college. My roommates had two different interventions over the course of like a year, a year and a half. I denied everything. It ruined our friendship. Um, Now I can see that in hindsight, right? But Mm -hmm. totally ruined the friendship I had with my roommates and distanced me from them, distanced me from my college ex-boyfriend. Um, and it just got to a point where I, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And so I walked myself into an outpatient program and I, I checked myself in and just fell to my knees and basically begged for help. And that was, that was the, probably the first time I ever asked for help. There's yeah. some power there when you surrender to like accepting yeah. there's a problem and like yeah, for sure. facing it. Do you think that you participating in a sport like gymnastics really contributed to some body image confidence issues and ultimately that relationship, unhealthy relationship that you had around food? 
I would never blame the sport of gymnastics. And people ask me all the time, if I ever had a son or a daughter, would I allow them to do gymnastics if they're interested? And my answer is yes, 100%. If they're interested, I think it was one of the best things that I ever did. It taught me so many different things. It's like I said, you know, delayed gratification and teamwork and coping skills and how to travel around the world. I mean, I was checking myself in and out of hotels at 10 years old. I lived in France when I was 12 training by myself over in France. Like, yeah, just, it gave me so much, but do I think it was a piece to the puzzle of my lack of worth or value or the way that I saw myself? Yeah, I think it was a piece to the puzzle. I think I am a recovering perfectionist and I'm a recovering type A control freak. And I, you know, have always leaned into words of affirmation and praise as a love language. And I think that a lot of different things kind of compiled together were reasons as to why I felt the need to be the best and to look the best and live up to a standard or expectation that I had set. Um, is the sport subjective? Are you running around half naked in a leotard? Yeah, you know, that, that is the case. And so when you're a 12, 13, 14 year old girl and you're going through puberty and really learning to understand that feedback is neutral and is there something I could have done better? And also maybe it just wasn't my day, you know, and having to come to peace with that and, and being really genuinely proud for the other person or the teammate and having compassion. I mean, these are all things that now I like teach my adult clients mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Those were things I was working on years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm laughing because so much of what you've verbalized here in the past 20 minutes have been things that you teach now. And I think that's what's the most wonderful part about you and your journey is that you are able to authentically take your story and wed it into ways that are now able to help others like myself. Tell us about that entrepreneurial journey that you've been on here the past few years because it's a heck of a ride. It's very, very impressive. And I'm just happy to be a part of it now. Thank you. And thank you for holding up a mirror and just showing that to me because I never really noticed it. This is the first conversation I've had where I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Things that I was doing then make sense now. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes, I bring it up all the time when people ask on podcasts, it's Steve Jobs. And it's, you can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards and you have to trust that they're going to appear. And so that is a perfect example of these things, these skills, these, these character traits that I was working on and honing at seven, 12, 14, 18 years old. Now here I am, you know, 36 years and I'm using them again, or I'm using them still, or I'm mastering them and and now teaching them to other people. And so I wouldn't have known that back then. Maybe that's why I went through what I did, you know? So what a beautiful reflection. Thank you. But, um, okay. Entrepreneurship. I totally stumbled into it by accident. It's not something that we have in our family. I come from a family of, you know, doctors and lawyers and just entrepreneurship is not a thing. So I went to school for my doctorate of physical therapy, like pretty much all of my teammates, because <laughs> we grew up in physical therapy and it was just second nature. And while I was getting my undergrad degree, my parents had sort of encouraged me to get a teaching degree to quote unquote fall back on. I'd always coached gymnastics and I was a personal trainer. I had been a trainer. I got certified the day I turned 17. So it just made sense to have it. Um, I had a small <laughs> little blip. And in my doctorate program in grad school, 
uh, took a leave of absence, which later I realized was to work through the 10 year battle with my eating disorder. At the time, I thought I just wasn't aligned or loving it or whatever. I ended up not going back. So I'm a doctorate dropout, um, ended up using that degree to fall back on, went into elementary school phys ed and health taught phys ed and health for eight years, worked as a gymnastics coach at my old high school for those eight years, as well as a personal trainer and group fitness instructor, and was very unfulfilled. So was doing all these things that I loved, you know, fitness, coaching, sports, it was great, but was very unhappy. And I found myself in all of my free time after school and on weekends, I was just constantly trying to build other things. And so I built like a women's empowerment group and then I was building these monthly women's only field, uh, fitness-based field trips. And then I was building a network marketing company and I just was always like reaching for other things. And so in 2013, I got into bodybuilding like so many of us, right? And I started doing bodybuilding competitions. My coach was in Massachusetts. I was in New Jersey. So I paid her virtually. She would send me my workouts through email, send me my macros through email and I had a light bulb moment. And I was like, well, I've been a trainer at that point for 10, 11 years. I said, I can send people virtual workouts. And so I started. And for, it was $79 a month, you would snail mail me a check and I would write your workout programs for you each week and I'd write your macros. And it started to kind of grow and it just organically was growing. And from those monthly programs, I started doing a little bit higher ticket programs. Then I got into, sorry for the horns, then I got into eBooks. I got into um, high ticket programs and I started just morphing and evolving as the online industry was morphing and evolving. So by 2016, I was selling higher ticketed programs. 2017, I left my teaching job to just go all in on entrepreneurship. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I was going to be the next Jillian Michaels or like some other famous trainer on TV. And um, that obviously is not what happened, but made my way in the fitness industry here in New York. I've been training celebrities for actually since 2002. So worked my way up here in New York as a celebrity trainer and built that cute little side hustle into a multiple six figure business, which a lot of the trainers were asking me, how did you do that? What are you doing? Can you teach me? And so in November, 2018, I started showing one friend and then two and then three friends. And all of a sudden we're sitting around my laptop every Thursday at noon. And I was like, I think I need to charge you guys for this. And so in November, 2018, I started business coaching. Uh, by the following year, I left fitness completely and I had scaled the cute side hustle into a million dollar business um, in 18 months. And that's where we are now, business coaching. <laughs> I love it. There's so many pivots, but like, yeah. it's hard to navigate um, yeah. at all. But you are the whole time, I think you were chasing, not chasing, you were right where you were supposed to be mm -hmm. at that moment. Um, so it's a very beautiful journey that you've been on. One thing that you did leave out that I love that you do is the whole connection with Pencils to Promise. Yes. And you very exciting news here, I guess, has it been a month now? I think it's been about, yeah, three weeks. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to tell people about yeah. your connection with them and, and what you, you are in the process of doing over in Ghana, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So when I left my job as a teacher, I had made, you know, a commitment to myself and my husband, Mike, we committed that we were going to always make sure I was involved in education in some capacity because I believe it is the most important thing. I mean, for children to have education, it's just, it's opportunity. 
and um, with opportunity comes, you know, in innovation. And I just, it's every child deserves the right to an education. So I always promised myself I'd be involved with education. We had honeymooned in Africa um, years back and we had made a commitment that we wanted to go back one day. We wanted to get involved. We had gone to a couple different schools when we were in Africa. We'd gone into um, villages there and we just knew it was something we wanted to do. So when I left my job as a teacher, I, you know, the universe gives you what you need, right? And I was kind of dropped the book into my lap, um, Adam Braun's book, A Promise of a Pencil. And he is the founder of Pencils of Promise. So that book sort of landed in my lap. It was kind of a no brainer as I was reading it. My four favorite coaches and mentors, they were actually on a mission trip, an impact trip, building a school with Pencils of Promise in Ghana. And so like all the stars aligned and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. We want to get involved. Um, so we decided that we would be giving back two pencils of promise every single time I work with a client, we give back, we donate. I hosted an event in April, 2019 that we actually raised and donated $20,000 just from that one event alone and got really involved with them really quickly. And we found out, uh, three weeks ago that we are actually breaking ground this week in Ghana on our first school. Life has a funny algorithm to it, right? Yeah. That just kind of pushes you in these right directions. So crazy. Um, I want to hold that, I want to hold that mirror up to you one more time here. If you, you touched on all these things that your time in sports has given you, whether it is delayed gratification, visualization techniques, if you had to pick one that you would attribute to your success in your life and where you are now, and I know there's so many out there, what would be that one that you would say? this has helped me the most out of all of them? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. No one's ever asked me before. And there is one word that is like blinking neon lights in my brain right now. So I have to go with it, but resilience. I love that. I've had multiple surgeries. I've had fractured vertebrae, so many broken bones, losing the competitions, you know, just, just all of that. And then bringing it into dropping out of my doctorate, getting nose, you know, shut, shut down from magazines and fitness and so many opportunities and then failing in business and investing and losing money and making mistakes and embarrassing myself, like resilience for sure. I love that because for anything, in order for us to appreciate those high moments, those, those moments where people look at us and they're like, wow, Jess really has it figured out. She's, <laughs> she's the go-to person in whatever space it may be you have to have those struggles along the way. You have to have those lower moments. Mm -hmm. And I think people often kind of overlook the importance of the low moments they have in the moment. They're like, why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. I am supposed to be a champion. I'm supposed to be a successful business owner. So it's perfect that you have learned resilience throughout your life. And I think because of that, there's no, it's no secret. That's why you are you are now it's a very good choice of an answer there thank you (laughs) (laughs) i want to just acknowledge you in ending here just um for just showing up consistently you show up day in day out kind of take breaks when you need to obviously but through it all you are consistent and you are genuine with what you do and you are truly someone that genuinely cares about some other people so i want to just thank you for your time it's very much needed um What's next for you? People are dying to know and where, and where can the people listening in kind of support you and keep up with all things 
Jess Glazer. Yeah. So best place to find me would be on Instagram. I'm at Jess.Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. Uh, I have my website, JessGlazer.com, where you can find information about, you know, Power University and all the other cool things we're doing, Pencils of Promise, building the school. What do I have going on? What am I working on? So I haven't publicly said this yet. I haven't publicly said it out loud, but let's just do it. Why not, right? Breaking news. So yeah, breaking news. This just in. I don't even know this. So while we're building our school in Ghana, like a physical school, we are actually also building a school online. And I am taking, <laughs> so crazy, I'm taking a bunch of the different courses and certifications that we have in our offering and some experts that we have in the space. And we're creating an entire university online and we're changing the way that education is uh, going to be used in the future. I love that. Yeah. You're, you're always one step ahead. In, in a sense. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm just willing to put myself out there and yeah. do the big scary thing that people, you know, are afraid of because of failing or what other people might think in the hopes that we can just make a bigger impact. I would, I'd be one to argue that you learned to let go of fear the moment that you stepped onto the gymnastics mat because you do some stuff in that sport <laughs> that I have no business doing or no <laughs> desire to do. So another thing that you probably have carried with you throughout your life, whether you realized it or not. Thank you. I will receive that. It's funny when I was coaching high school gymnastics at the time, like the eight years I was a teacher, there would be times I would jump up on the balance beam to show my girls something. And I was like, Oh my God, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> I can't believe I used to flip on here. So yes, I'll, I'll receive that. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Jess. Since connecting with her, I've learned a lot. She's one of my coaches after all. She has a gift for helping others realize how they can bring their vision to life. Her story is a prime example of how we can choose to let our past work for us. If we take a minute to pause and look how it really does apply to what we are currently facing. The secret to becoming a success, whether it's as an athlete, in business, or in life, is to realize the power of your choice. If you haven't done so already, send this episode to a friend, family member, or teammate who could use a boost. Stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by following me on Instagram at CoreyCamFit. And remember, if you can change your mindset and how you think, you'll be able to change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all next week.